1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker,
0: you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Stop avoiding your erectile dysfunction issue. Peak Performance for Men is offering your best offer yet. Call today to book your free consultation and free blood flow evaluation. 1-800-210-8181. Peak Performance for Men helps over 80% of men who receive the treatment experience long-term improvement. Let the experts at Peak Performance for Men help you today. All it takes is one phone call for a free consultation, free blood flow evaluation. Call 1-800-210-8181. That's 1-800-210-8181.
1: The Houston Safari Club Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports the future of hunting and conservation. Wildlife and habitat conservation, youth education and outdoor experiences, scholarships and anti-poaching efforts are just a few of the programs supported by this organization. Monthly events, an annual convention, award-winning publications, networking opportunities and valuable resources for hunting knowledge are just a few of the benefits of being a member of Houston Safari Club Foundation. If you're searching for a group of people dedicated to protecting the future of hunting, look no further. Join Houston Safari Club Foundation today at WeHuntWeGive.org or call 713-623-884.
2: Tradition, conservation, family, the outdoors. It matters to you. It matters to us. This is Hunting Matters, presented by Houston Safari Club Foundation. Here's Joe Bitar. Good
1: morning. Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. This is your host, Joe Bitar. I am Ramon Robles. Ramon. Sir. How many pieces of meat are you cooking today?
2: Uh, absolutely zero. Thanks, you. You knew that answer. You just wanted me to say it on the radio. Dream killer. Yeah, my wife and I were sitting at home Monday, yep. getting ready for this big barbecue I was going to do today, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Oh crap! What?" Well, I I missed a schedule. I misscheduled our my uh, a quilting retreat for two weekends from this weekend, but it's actually this weekend. So I'm
1: speechless. She, I don't even know what a quilting retreat uh, is.
2: You know what? It's for your, for her eyes only. It's, it's one this, of those. Yeah. Um, some
1: things you can't unsee. The
2: initiation process is oh. legendary. It's not a good, it's it's not for the squeamish.
1: A series of needles. And, yes. It's
2: yes. not pretty. And so she's there, which oh. means my boys are with my parents right now. Nice. While I come in here and do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't gone home yet since yesterday. Nice. So yeah, here yeah. we are. You, you have me at my best. Where have you been in the last 24 I'll hours? I'll give you remote? 20% of what I got left. <laughs> <laughs> were you a Cushata down in Louisiana? No, no, casino? no. But Louisiana did come come to me. Uh, okay. So. We'll talk offline. Yeah. That's a good here. idea. I don't yeah. want to purge myself. That's right. Good.
1: Maybe a purging would do you some good <laughs> the way you look this morning. Uh, what's happening with the Houston Safari Club Foundation? It is, uh, We're looking at May now. Uh, there's going to be a quail shoot at Providence Plantation, yep. June We're going to be hanging out with a buddy, Larry Weisshune at Gordian Sons Outfitter. And in August, the big 50th anniversary party with the Ox Ranch and Conroe Taxidermy sponsoring that event at Conroe Taxidermy. Uh, We've got a whole lot of stuff going on for the rest of the year, but those three months are the next things coming up. Go to wehuntwegive.org and click on the membership button. Sign up to become a member today. You don't have to be a member to attend these events, but we'd love for you to come out and see what we're all about. And uh, hopefully eventually sign up to become a member. That's at WeHuntWeGive.org. Sign up today to attend one of these great events. Um, trying to think what else is going on. Oh, uh, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. Folks, if you have not heard of it, if you don't know what it is, we effectively in the industry call it RAWA, mm. which is, uh, uh, I think it's a great acronym. That's funny. Yeah, great acronym. <laughs> need some wawa Wah. for the rawah um <laughs> go check it out it's called the recovering america's wildlife act this thing is going to be a trademark mon- monumental piece of legislation if we get it passed it's out of committee and it is time for you to contact your senators and your representatives at the federal level and tell them to vote yes for Rawa. It's—I uh, won't go into the details here. That I want to take away from the show today, but it's uh, going to provide some necessary funding, uh, not only in Texas but all across the United States, and it will also create jobs in the outdoor industry. I'm oversimplifying here, mm-hmm. but uh, also management and helping to manage uh, species and habitat across the U.S. Uh, we haven't seen something like this for a while. It's been—it's been in and out of several different. Uh, Uh, legislative sessions in various forms and fashions, but we are close to the finish line. So look up online, just Google Recovering America's Wildlife Act. You're going to find a thousand resources on it. Find out who your local representative or who your federal representative is and your senator and email them and send them letters and call their offices and tell them to vote yes for Wawa. they'll know what it means yeah you're recovering america's wildlife act if you're a proponent of the future of the outdoors it is a must do hopefully we'll be talking about this here in a month or two uh about it being passed so all right joining us today is heidi rao
3: yep hi Hi. how how are you
1: i'm good hadn't seen each other since january january no no first week of february because we moved convention this year yes um heidi is the she's a lot of things Mm. and they're all good I don't mean that to sound wrong it's uh, she is the 2022 Golden Bullseye Award for NRA Women woman of the year. We're going to talk about that in detail here in just a few minutes. Um, Heidi, tell us, uh, as we go into the end of the first segment, a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to college?
3: So I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Illinois, okay. and I went to school at Southern Illinois University mm-hmm. in Carbondale. So I'm a Saluki. Okay. And I received my undergraduate degree in zoology with a concentration on wildlife management. And my master's degree is in the forestry department. And my concentration is human dimensions of wildlife management. So instead of studying the wildlife, the deer per acre, my research studied the attitudes about the hunting and the attitudes of hunters and the interaction among each other. So my upbringing, my graduate degree, it all focused around what I have such a passion for and what I'm doing today.
1: Awesome. Uh, professionally, uh, what do you do? Uh, what's your? Well, I know you got a lot of full time jobs, <laughs> so, but what is? What's the one that writes and pays the bills? Uh,
3: the pays the bills. I work for Texas Parks and Wildlife, okay. and for almost twenty four years, I am the hunter education specialist for all of Southeast Texas. Okay. I cover anywhere from Nacogdoches to Austin to Victoria ish, or wherever the boss sends me. And on top of that, I'm also the coordinator for the Becoming an Outdoors Woman statewide program.
1: Awesome. That's two uh, great programs unto themselves, and uh, we're definitely going to have to have you back to talk about those. Um, So you piqued my interest there. You you studied hunters' attitudes towards each other. Do you continue? Do you continue to to research that and keep up with those trends and, yes. and do polling on that?
3: Yeah, I'm very interested in that. And it's all about that whole human dimensions that socio, you know, psych
1: psychosocial. So, that's it. That's yeah. the word I'm trying to yeah.
3: say. Um, and I did a lot of, I t- took some classes in that and learned a little bit about that because my background was hard, the hard wildlife science, but switching over to the human side of it, it was kind of, kind of interesting to see, um, just the surveys on, you know, why people do what they do. Why do they hunt? Why do they fish? And where I went to school in Illinois, there was a couple Different mandatory programs that were offered by the state. So you had your mandatory hunter education, boater education, and trapping and snowmobiling. And so my research studied, I sent out surveys to all the instructors across the state and took some polling as to why they volunteer, what's their passion, why do they love, you know, working in those types of programs. And it all goes back to the whole give back and the community. You know, hunting is such a community you know effort sport however you want to look at it 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 builds communities and they're all like minded good people that are doing the right thing for conservation and wildlife management
1: yeah ramon uh did you get your snow snowmobiling certification this year yet no not yet i was waiting for it to snow (laughs) okay well heidi may be able to hook you up (laughs) on that license i think she'd probably teach you that course (laughs) jack of all trades (laughs) (laughs) um have you seen hunters' feelings towards each other and towards that community service or revolving around hunting uh, change and improve over the years?
3: I think so. I think that's just a tight bond. Um, no matter what your community, if you come from you know small town USA to large cities. You know, anytime you run into hunters, um, we just all have that same passion, the same advocacy with our, you know, resource, why we're doing what we're doing. So I I see that bond and connection, no matter where you travel, you know, even outside of Texas, across the nation, other countries, you know, it's just that community of the love for what we do and, and why we do it.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that maybe uh, in the next segment. I definitely want to dig into your involvement with the NRA with you folks. uh, Join us after the break on Hunting Matters on KPRC 950. Hunting Matters is sponsored by Forlow. Forlow stands for the love of hunting. Forlow is the only technical hunting and fishing apparel, 100% design source, and made in the USA. And for a limited time only, Hunting Matters listeners can visit their website at Forlow.com and use the code Matters at checkout to receive 25% discount off of any order. Visit Forlow.com today and use the code HuntingMatters at checkout and get your 25% discount for a limited time only. That's Forlow.com.
2: I'll just stop it. I'll just I'll just play something else.
1: <laughs> First guest we ever had that uh, abused you on yeah, your selection no, of music. No.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are you sweating, Ramon?
2: No, no. It's, is is it's, that an embarrassment or is that just from no, last night? I just night?
1: washed my face. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> Did you just get back from the quilting <laughs> the quilting <laughs> bee or
2: whatever yeah. it's, 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 it's called? A retreat. A quilting I'm retreat. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to yeah. Honey Matters on KPRC 950. We're joined today by our guest Heidi Rayo. Um, why do I want to call you Rao?
3: You know, there is a pronunciation of that last name, but my husband's Italian. And when their when his family came over, um, they shortened it, it was a longer name and they, they cut it off and it's Rao. Isn't isn't
1: there there, Rao's Bakery? That's what it is. Rao's Bakery. That's why that's because I'm thinking of King Cake and.
3: Yeah. No relation. and,
1: And cupcakes. Yeah. I know you are too, Ramon. By the way, I'm sorry I didn't stop by and pick up anything for breakfast. There's right. spaghetti sauce too. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's right. that is that Rayo's? Spaghetti? It is. Yes. Yeah, no relation. Rayo's spaghetti sauce, Rouse Bakery. Okay, <laughs> there you go. We got it straight. Spelled the same, right? Yes. Yeah, like coffee, spelled the same, only
2: different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, now that I've done this, I'm going to call you <laughs> the wrong pronunciation <laughs> yep. today. All right. Enough of the nonsense. Um, you're actively involved with the NRA. Yes. On so many levels. Yes. But tell us, tell us about how you got started with NRA and what your current level of involvement is.
3: Certainly. So when I started down here in Texas, I moved to Texas in 1998. And I when I met my husband, now husband, John, he was really active in scouting and Boy Scouts. And the older scouts used to be called Explorer, Explorer Posts. So he was involved with the older scouts. And one of the things that you have to have if you're working with scouts is, um, and to keep the ranges open is you have to have NRA certified rifle instructors to run rifle ranges. Shotgun instructors for shotgun ranges. Plus you have to have RSOs to oversee the safety on those ranges. Right. So in order to keep the kids shooting, um, I got involved and I got certified. I became certified as an NRA rifle, pistol, shotgun range safety officer to help him go on camp outs with the, with the crew and we would keep, keep the kids shooting. Um, that's how I initially got involved. It was a lot of fun. Um, did, did lots of different camp outs and lots of different ranges across across the country on all the different camping trips and then um, flash forward we got married had four boys of our own so we took a little break from teaching sure. got back into it because there was a need because scouting has a pretty good turnover about every seven years when the kid either drops out or Eagles out right. um, usually the parent goes with them so there's always a turnover and a need for certified and trained um, instructors so John and I actually flew to the NRA headquarters in Virginia about seven eight years Years ago, And we became training counselors. We went through a pretty intensive week long certification and that allows us to certify rifle, pistol, shotgun instructors, plus range safety and several other classes that we teach. So originally we got involved more to keep scouting and the adults um, certified so they can keep those ranges open. We used to offer two sets of classes a year. We d- we did the whole bundle, rifle, pistol, shotgun, mm-hmm. RSO. We did it before summer camp, and we did it again before winter camps. And what we found is, you know, we had a room full of scouters, and the pistol classes never made. We canceled. We canceled. Really? Flash forward to 2020, um, we were teaching pistol classes just about every single weekend. It was crazy, the demand with all the new millions of new gun owners. They were seeking out training by certified qualified individuals so we were just seeing so many brand new brand new gun owners come through the training so now there's been a, a flip we're seeing more people from the public taking the classes and we still get our scouters but not as many as we used to which is how we started out
1: wow that that's crazy now uh, i'm to go back to something you said so you guys have four boys yes and I can imagine what that household's mm-hmm. like because we only had three. Yes. Um. But I've met I've met some some if not all of your boys at all. one point or time. And they're they're great kids. And uh, three of them have achieved their Eagle Scout ranking. Yes. And your fourth one is working on it. Yes. And I don't know about you, Ramon, but everybody I've ever met who was an Eagle Scout mm-hmm. has gone on to great things. Whether yep. it's leading corporations or or political office or whatever. Isn't that Heidi? Isn't that strange? How that? I mean, it's not strange, but. It, it, it's really neat how there's that unique thread among all you Eagle Scouts who've gone on to serve in the military and, yes. and achieve all these leadership
3: positions. They say only 3% of people who join scouting ever make it to the ranks of Eagle. Yeah. And of those Eagle Scouts, zero end up in court, in prison. Hmm. So it's a pretty pretty good statistics to deal with once you get to that how level.
1: Far, how far did you get in scouting, Ramon? We below. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I was... First class. When we moved, we changed towns. When I was in really involved, we moved mm-hmm. to a new town, and I just didn't get reconnected, yeah. and I kind of regret that
2: because.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, it's
2: not too late, right? Is there an age limit?
3: All right, no, you can be an adult. I can get you trained,
0: get you certified. I know people. I know people. <laughs> be the first fifty-eight-year-old <laughs> Eagle yeah. Scout yes. ever.
2: Yes.
3: You'd be like the news story. Get your, you know, your little uh, neckerchief, just, and can you picture it. me
1: in those shorts? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'll pay it. any money to see that. Dude, we should do it together. Okay. Let's do it and then we'll write a book about it. I'm all for it. Oldest Scouts Ever. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious.
3: So um, they're so involved uh, to yeah. go on to what you were saying that, yeah. you know, our household, you know, my husband's re- now a retired um, Texas game warden. So he carried a, you know, a gun belt on his hip for 30 years. And me and the job that I was doing with hunting and my personal life with all of our firearms and safety, we're over the top. Safety, And the kids grew up in that environment. And we just, you know, demystified guns and sure. it's a tool. And we had all that education and, you know, lectures with the kids about, you know, you don't touch. and But they knew what it was. So right. they've grown up around that and they're comfortable with those with firearms. And now um, the NRA has a training that if you are the age of 13 is when they start, you can become an apprentice instructor. So if you have, you know, 13 year olds out there who are really interested in firearms, and they want to become, you know, trainers and they make good leaders, you know, they can go through the training as long as they teach with a certified, you know, person 21 or older. So all of my boys have gone through all the training with us and they're all either apprentice assistant and soon to be, they will be full instructors when they're 21.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, NRA. And women in the outdoors, whether it's shooting, hunting, fishing. I know, uh, you know, NRA has a lot of tentacles mm-hmm. in, in involved in in hunting and shooting. Not all, you know, most people say, you know, NRA Second Amendment. That's how they, you know, they connect the two. But they have a big hunting effort and they have a big women women in the outdoors type of effort. Yes. I'd like to hear from you a little bit about those programs and, and, and NRA's focus on women in the outdoors.
3: Sure. Um, a couple of years, several years ago, they realized the need for. A group within the NRA just focused on women and women's efforts. So they have the um, Women's Leadership Forum, which okay. is one um, group. You know they have the Ladies Pistol Project, which just started four years ago, introducing more women to um, the shooting sports. So the NRA has a whole website. You know the social media presence. Uh, they don't have a publication, but they do have all the social media presence of getting more women into the shooting sports, into the outdoors. Um, whether it be through hunting or safety, um, all the different, you know, areas of the Second Amendment. So that's how I've got really involved. And actually, what happened was I met Wayne LaPierre, oh, gosh, about 10 years ago, we were at an event, and I met him, Um, he was going to be a speaker, and I happened to be the one to bring him to the location. And so you know, if any of those kind of folks that come to a presentation, it's always in the back parking lot by the dumpsters. Mm -hmm. They have to go through the kitchen, you know, to sneak onto their stage. So I met him in just the five minutes that we had a quick, a quick discussion. Um, He was, he liked the fact that I was raising my boys around guns and I was teaching them. So this was about in May and he said, I want a film crew to come down to Houston and I want you to be, um, filmed on new energy. And it was a series that they did. Um, It was just new energy about different um, showcasing and spotlighting women who are doing things with firearms and the future. So two months later, here comes the film crew. And we filmed at one of the Boy Scout camps that we work with and did a great segment on just how we raise, um, raise kids and, you know, promote firearm safety and how important it is to get them involved at a young age and the parents that don't know much about firearms or don't have that background, get them into somebody's training who does. Because it's not if they'll ever be exposed to guns, it's when. Yeah. And how are they going to handle that situation if they're at a friend's house or a family member's house? And if they've never been you know, raised around it, how are they going to handle that safely? Sure. So we did the filming and it just launched from there. I just got connected in with several of the different um folks involved in nra and i'm fortunate to be part of nra women
1: very cool i want to learn more about that we're going to take a quick break here on hunting matters on kprc 950 we're back with our guest heidi Rayo. Kind of like you. Everything he's got, he's, he's, ah. he's got it on. It's kind of like you. Welcome it's been back been a to long Hunting day. <laughs> yeah, It is Hey, I'm going to need you to come on and help me mow my yard later. <laughs> Welcome back to Hunting Matters on KPRC
2: 950. This is your host, Joe Bitar. And I am redeemed. You are redeemed. <laughs> you are. Yes, you are.
3: Let me piggyback on, that's a great segue, um, Amarillo, because uh, one of the things going on with scouting and firearms and hunting and all of that combined, um, I saw a need, um, a desire for young people to learn more about hunting and their Second Amendment. So I actually started a venture hunting crew with scouts.
1: I was going to ask you about that. Yes. Because I've this... been exposed to these rapscallions. Now I'm just
0: kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah.
3: So all we focus on, and we keep it small, because I don't ever want to tell a teenager, no I'm sorry you can't go hunting because you went last weekend or last month and so this is between the ages of 14 and 20 they're venture Scouts it's part of boys part of BSA it's co-ed and we pretty much handpick and keep it nice and small and it's a good group of kids I call them kids They're teenagers but all we do is we focus on marksmanship um, we've taken them through the marksmanship qualification program where they learn shotgun rifle pistol they learn hunting and they've earned the distinguished expert badge and all of Their bars with each of the firearm disciplines. So we go to the range often. When it's hunting season, we do everything we can to get these kids onto ranches, onto land, um, through MLD, however we can, to expose them to a variety of hunting. Um, We go to the Texas Panhandle every winter, and we've pretty much been given the keys to one of the cities up there. They turn over their rec center to us for lodging at no charge. We do waterfowl, pheasant. We've even taken a group of kids into New Mexico to help a landowner with um, pronghorn. With antelope, because antelope in New Mexico in the wintertime are like feral hogs in Texas. They come down off the mountains and they're just a huge nuisance. So they are issued um, permits to help remove them to manage the populations. You know, we take these kids trapping. We teach them survival. If we do have a fortunate opportunity to go on property our give back is to do some kind of conservation projects. So all these kids that are in this crew of mine, I'm the advisor, um, they are all focused on doing something with wildlife, something with management, law enforcement. They want to go on to their futures to do something in hunting and conservation. And their experience in this crew learning the different methods and the different takes and the different wildlife, um, we're researching all of that so as they grow up and get their public speaking and their leadership skills, um, it's turning around. We've seen kids in the crew that came in that I could watch them turn themselves inside out. They were so afraid to speak. Yeah. And, you know, flash forward four years since we've been in existence, they are now the president of their FFA chapter in their high schools, and they're doing some great things, and I, they attribute it back to their experience in the hunting crew. That's, and, that's, and we're the first one ever out there in the, in the nation. That's all we do is focus on hunting. There's other crews that shoot, but we do hunting and conservation work and we're 100% NRA so we are a an NRA affiliated club yeah. and there's not another crew out there that's that as well.
1: That's amazing. I I, did, I had no clue that you guys did all of that, or there was uh, that it was so not exclusive, but that it was not you know widespread uh, that type of program. And I think it's so neat that you guys have that give back you know component to it. That uh, it's not only what you take, it's what you you know provide for the for the habitat and the wildlife that you right. interacting with. So Ramon, you need to get your boys hooked up with um, yeah, with Heidi. You probably get rid of them for at least two weeks out in the van Yes, room. I'm sure she'll put them to work. Give me a minute. I'll go get them. Okay, you bet. She, she brought the big truck today. So I did we, we can load them up and it'll <laughs> be good to go uh, I, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of your personal businesses and stuff uh, but I want folks to know they can go to your website at northamericanoutdoors.org. And learn more about some of the things we're talking about yes. of course you have a presence on social media uh at instagram at north north uh, underscore american underscore outdoors and then facebook.com north american outdoors linkedin as well which is under your name mm-hmm. uh and if folks maybe you know have questions or want to get involved with the program or maybe help you expand the program you know they can get in touch with you through those avenues um and we'll talk a little bit, little bit more about that uh before we finish today um So, you were recognized as the 2022 Golden Bullseye Award for NRA Women, Woman of the Year. Yes. That's a high honor. Yes. So, tell us about the award and what it means to you.
3: Uh, It was the first time in my life that I've been rendered speechless. I usually... Um, have a lot to say and I received an email from NRA and I actually thought it was spam (laughs) and once I started recognizing some of the names that were a part of that email I realized and so I reached out to one of my connections with NRA women and I said do you know anything about this and you know, smiley face, smiley face. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty, so pretty. So you had speechless. no clue that you
1: were. I had no were, clue you, you were up for this award.
3: I had no clue that I was even up in the running. So, yeah. um, the Golden Bullseye has been an award that NRA publications have had in existence for over. It's they're in their twentieth year okay. right now. And so NRA, um the American Rifleman, American Hunter, Shooting Illustrated, they've always had categories where they would recognize different products, different firearms, accessories and in those categories every publication would choose their own top for that year. Okay. Well, last year NRA Women said, "Well, we want a category." So, yeah, I've, they chose me. So, I'm very, very honored and humbled and so proud to to serve
1: that's cool that and world. it and it's based on uh, it's based on service it's based on giving back based on yes. the example that you've set and the influence that you've had on people's lives yes. um uh, I'm not not only the kids that you work with the young adults you work with but also the other women you interact with and yes. um we're going to talk about that hopefully when we have you back but um it's really cool that y- you basically said you know what I'm going to do this and take no prisoners, and you know, in a, in a male-dominated profession, especially for just you know, and obviously, you and your hus- husband have a great alliance, and, and and those sorts of things. But for you're like, hey, you know, here I am. This is what I want to do, yes. and nobody's <laughs> going to get in my way. And exactly. And you seem to be to me to be one of those per- people that goes. Okay, this is what we've got, and how can we make all this better, and what else yes. can we do? Yes. Because some of the programs you're describing that you work with um, um, with the crew and that sort of thing is, th- is things that people have never thought about before, or they've thought about in different variations, but they've not put all the pieces together. So uh, I- I'm sure that's been quite a quite a challenge for you. Um, and, and to be recognized by the NRA for your achievements. I know it's not something you go around looking for, but, but it's, it's, it's nice to, it is. when people say stand up, take notice, go, you know what, you're doing a good job.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, and I just, I truly have a passion. I love what I do. I mean, I'm not in it, you know, for recognition. I'm not in it for, you know, The sole source of income or anything like that, because I have a job, you know, but this is what I do. And all the little empty spaces in my calendar, I plug it in something NRA hunting youth, women, just something you know to keep giving back because gosh, there's such a need. Especially, right. I mean, we've all been through 2020, 2021. We've all seen the shift in the way things are going, and there is just such a need for more education and more training. And you know, de- like I say, demystifying the whole firearms. I've been through to so many different presentations with guns and um, firearms and training, and some of the speakers just terrify me. I'm like, well, no wonder you're running people off because you're telling them that? Really? You and know, I just have to sit on my hands and, you know, These are a, the
1: instructors you're, talk, you're talking some about? Some
3: of the different programs that I have attended. Um I've I've sat in on some of the different classes offered by not NRA instructors, of course, but yeah. um other, you know, everybody has a school. Yeah. Everybody has a training now, and I've had the opportunity to explore some of those and just pop in and see what they're doing and Yeah. So, I mean, you've got to meet them where they are. And, you know, in some of the classes that I've taught, um, I think a lot of times women gravitate more towards a woman instructor. Um, I've never been that kind of a personality of, you know, here I am. If you know, I can if you can do it, I can do it, too. I've never I'm not. okay do it. I'm. It doesn't intimidate me. I mean, I know what my limits are and what I can and can't do. And I'm not afraid to ask for help. You know, like I tell some people, I'm always going to surround myself by these certain people that, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that. I know the guys can. I'm not able to. So anyway, um, I just have noticed that a lot of the ladies that have come through my training Um, You know, their husband bought them this gun and, you know, this giant caliber with this enormous grip. Well, they don't ever want to shoot again. So they've actually wanted to get over themselves and take a training for themselves. And when I hear some of the stories that they tell me, it's just heartbreaking. Like, well, if I'm reaching this many people, how many other people out there? are not going to take that initiative to go and get trained, you know? So yeah, I just meet people where they are. And when they come to my training, it's, it's your time, you know, you're coming to me, I'm not going to nickel and dime you, you know, here's what I have. And we go through the basics, we go through safety, the fundamentals, and I've trained, you know, we've had border patrol agents come up, they bring their, their units up to our training. Um, We train uh, one of the parishes in Louisiana. They bring their entire cadets, all the way over to us. I've had people fly in from New Mexico, Oklahoma, El Paso. Um, word of mouth. I yeah. mean, I've I've heard some horror stories from other instru- about other instructors, sure. but um, they come in because we teach the basics. We teach the fundamentals. We take you back if you're experienced with firearms. Um, we bring you back to the basics to help you become a better marksman and, and be safe.
1: Yeah, it's it's so critically important. I think it's just human nature that we're fearful of the unfamiliar. And yes. so that's you know you you see people they'll look at a gun and they pick up a gun and you can tell right off the bat if they've never picked one up or yep. if they've handled it you know so it's great that you guys help them overcome that fear and and for god's sakes size your pistol correctly right? for your hand you know <laughs> All right folks taking a break here right now on KPRC 950 this is Honey Matters we'll be back right after the break
0: cries out from her baby bed brother runs in feathers on his head mama's in her room learning how to sew daddy's drinking beer listening to the radio Hank Williams sings Elijah and Dear John and time marches on time marches on
1: Welcome back to Honey Matters on KPRC 950. This is your host, Joe V. Tom. Hi, I'm
2: Ramon Robles. Oh, me? I get yeah. that? Okay. Well, we were talking during the break about, you know, just the uh, mistake men usually make with getting their wives their first gun. And it's usually a hand cannon. And, and long story short, we were talking about the small pistols that hurt after you have shot four <laughs> boxes of them. But, but then um, we said, yeah, but in a self-defense scenario, you know, we're not going to shoot four boxes. We're going to shoot off one or two rounds, which leads me to this question. So how do you know which weapon to get if in self-defense, you're only going to squeeze out one or two rounds anyway?
3: So whatever you are comfortable with. And so what I recommend everybody do is go to a store that specializes in Hunting or shooting sports. Um, sometimes the big box stores are great and they have very knowledgeable people behind the counter, but you never know when the shoe department person is covering a break in the mm. gun department. So <laughs> you always yes. want to make sure you go to reputable stores and reputable sources that you can try it out. You know, talk to your friends, talk to some folks that are doing, because a lot of times, you know, people behind the counter are going to sell you something that's not right for you. Yeah. So get something that fits your hands, get something that you're comfortable holding, and honestly, Every single basic training pistol class that I do, um, we train with 22s. Mm. And I tell people to, yeah, definitely you can bring your firearm to shoot. This is your time, your class. But during the training portion, we're going to use single action 22 revolvers. Most people in 2022 have never shot a revolver. Yeah. They're so foreign to them that once we put the revolver in their hands, there's hardly any noise, there's no recoil, you can talk over them, you can teach over them. It gets them comfortable, it gets them to relax, and once they get confident in learning how to aim, learning how to squeeze the trigger and breathe and follow through and all those basic steps, once they master the 22, Then go on to something larger, your 40, your nines, whatever else that, you know, your husband puts in your hands. But, you know, a lot of times when we have, quote, experienced people coming through our classes they're like, really? We're shooting twenty twos, mm. Really? But when it's all said and done, I tell you, that range sure is a good neutralizer when you put somebody three yards from a target. Yeah, yeah. tell me how that twenty two is working now, because they, they can't even hit paper it's sometimes. just like uh, but,
2: golf. I mean, when you start warming up, you're going to warm up with your chips and, and yes. your putts. You're not going to go out there and start driving. So, exactly. Yeah,
3: so it. to answer your question, though, I mean, for the range time, you know, marksmanship, you want to shoot something that you're comfortable with. And you're not going to tire, you know, so you can shoot 50, 100, however many rounds downrange. But I always recommend if you have a, a carry gun, you know, definitely put a couple rounds through it. But mm. know that you're not going to be able to shoot that right. many rounds because it's a higher, usually a higher caliber firearm.
1: Yeah. yeah, And I agree with the principle of, of revolvers, especially early on. My wife has a 38 revolver. That was my father's. And she, she prefers it. I mean, she likes the higher calibers and the semis, but she prefers it, especially if she hadn't shot in a while, because just getting down that routine and she knows it's just one click, one fire, one click, one yep. fire, and there's no, there's no margin for error. Um, and she prefers it. And the other thing you were talking about is is to find a place like these indoor gun ranges that have guns for rent. Mm -hmm. They'll have a whole wall full of them. You can go in and go, I want to try that one for a while. I'll try this one. I'll try that one next weekend, you know, and get something that really feels good in your hand. Because like you said, if you're out on the range firing, you want something that's comfortable. Um, And you you want to become familiar with that firearm. And if that's what's going to be your carry, especially, you know, it just, it just, it's like, uh, you know, you don't. Want, if you're not a guy for skinny jeans, you don't want to be, you know, put yeah. on skinny jeans the first right. time you go to the prom. Yeah, uh, you know, you wanna, you wanna know what your pant size exactly. is. Yeah. That's the analogy I'm sticking to. It. Okay? Wow, that, but uh, didn't it, see that one coming. Sounds a little personal to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have issues. Anyway. <laughs> Um,
3: but going back to their level, yeah. I mean, you want to go where they are. So when, and when the, the way I train people is if they've never been around or experienced, you know, that's how we start. But then we progress. So they get comfortable. They get confident. They come back to me. Now we can take them through a defensive pistol class because the basic pistol classes with the NRA, um, that's what they are. They're basic. They're they're learning the firearm, the terminology, the ammunition, the firing sequence, the fundamentals. So once you master, not master, but once you complete that, you can go on for additional more defense training because most people come into that class with the self-defense in mind and that's not always the way it has to be just because you're shooting a pistol it doesn't always have to be for self-defense there's marksmanship there's you know different competitions you can do so we do the um there's personal protection inside and outside of the home there's concealed carry workshops that teach you how to draw from a holster from concealment which a lot of people don't practice yeah, sadly no. they may be great with their firearm but and they may be wearing a pistol all day long and whatever holster they prefer but they've never practiced drawing from it. You know, you can dry fire, I mean, dry fire, draw mm-hmm. from it with no live ammunition. Yeah. But l- most people have never practiced drawing and firing on a range. So the range that I train at, Bailey's House of Guns, I reserve their private range. And they allow me to to do those types of training. So people just, it's an eye-opening experience. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of range time. And there's a lot of different um, opportunities.
2: In my mind, and I'm sure in a lot of people's mind, when it comes time to draw the weapon if for self-defense, it, it just happens. You know, it's just one of those things. Okay. I pull yes. it out and I start shooting. One, one time I was at the range and I thought, well, let me try to, uh, let me pull out my, my weapon. And I realized I didn't have a belt on only after when I pulled my, when I went to pull my gun out, the holster came out with me with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's the lesson. Cause there was no retention there to, to keep right. the holster down. And I thought, well, all right. Lesson number one, make sure you're wearing a belt. Yeah. Otherwise that holster is going to come out and You've got a rock.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of ranges don't allow you to um, wear holster, like shoulder holsters. Mm-hmm. They don't let you draw from your holster because you're sweep muzzle-sweeping everybody around you if you're yeah. pulling out that pistol.
1: And then when you go to public public shooting ranges, sometimes they do it, and you're like, I don't want My wife and I were at one, and this this woman beside us had a had a pistol. I think it was probably a twenty two, but she was swinging that thing around like yes. it was a cocktail. And I was Aye, like, yes. Yes. my <laughs> wife goes, uh, let's go. I'm let's done. Go. That's goes, right. I'm not. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah. You're Good. not going to do it. it. It's unfortunate. I think one of the cool, one, one of the things that I feel is, is critically important, and I know you guys teach us is to teach somebody how to break down their pistol yes. and clean it. You yes. learn so much. Oh, my
3: gosh. You People don't so, clean their pistols. Yeah, but
1: it, even beyond the cleaning, you learn <laughs> so much about the mechanics. And I know that's not going to make you a better shooter, but you learn about, so much about the mechanics and how a gun works and how it breaks down. And what happens if you're somewhere and something fails? Yes. You know, or... Yeah. I, You know, it's 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 kind of you know a joke scenario in most movies where the guy pulls out his revolver and the bullets fall out or the the the, the roller falls out or something. That
3: was the biggest. I think that was the biggest eye opening moment in all of these classes that we've been teaching lately. Is when it comes time, you know, we do classroom, we do range time, we come back to the classroom to clean. People don't clean their guns. You know, we ask them, you know, how often should you clean? You know, every. Hundred rounds, every thousand rounds. No, <laughs> every time you touch it, oh, because wow. you've got your oils on your, uh, yeah. you've got your oils on your hands. You've got, you know, residue and all that kind of stuff can corrode and malfunction your firearm and your ammunition as well. So we teach everybody how to how to properly clean their firearm.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm I know I'm a weirdo, but I love the smell of, of a gun sure. cleaning kit. Yes. I love the smell of gun oil. I could just sit in the garage all day and clean guns. Yes. All right. I'm going to need to learn. And it's I a chore. It. It's yeah.
3: a chore when um, we take our, our own family. There's six of us total in our family. And so when we take our family out hunting or shooting... It's an all-day affair, because when we yeah. come home, we set up the gun racks, and there's six pistols, and if we take multiple yeah. guns, you know, yeah. my, my boys and my husband, I'm like, here you go. Yeah. So they clean. And my boys, they actually do a pretty good job, so much so that my second oldest, my 18-year-old Matthew, he works at, he works at Bailey's well, now, <laughs> so before yeah. he goes to college.
1: I love cleaning guns. All right, we're just about out of time here for this uh, episode today, but I want to jump into a lightning round real quick. with oh, is Ramon's boy. favorite oh, part. Right, you ready? What would you prefer to have in your hand? A bow, a rifle, a shotgun, or a fishing rod? Shotgun. Okay. Mm. What's your preference, bird hunting or big game hunting? Bird hunting. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten?
3: Alligator. Mm.
1: Really?
2: Yeah. That didn't well, act. don't mock her for that. Not everybody's born in Louisiana. Oh, I grew up eating it, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was like Tuesday. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. I had that with my cereal. That's right. <laughs> Crocodile Krispies. <laughs> What's your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse?
3: Mm, machete. Machete.
1: See? Awesome. She's genius. And, and Ramon's favorite question: Is it wrong for vegetarians to eat animal crackers? Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, folks, we're out of time. We're joined today by our guest, Heidi Rao. Join us next week on Honey Matters on KPRC 950.